we've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer. Tap into your most original thinking. Organize your ideas. And create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And when we say unlocking, how can our creativity help make sense of life? And we're going to talk to an author today who uses novels to help make sense of our humanity. It's a global thought. It's a really unique approach to creativity. And we're speaking with author Michelle Renee DeBellis. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. I am honored for the chance to expand creativity to your audience. That's what we're all about. And Michelle is the author of a terrific new book called The Music We Make. It's an award-winning novel nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for literature and fiction, but also a Kirkus Star award-winning novel. Michelle, when we talk about making sense of humanity, boy, that's a big bite. How do you use this kind of novel in that aim? I think that all of us are moving through our lives trying to make sense of our human experiences and as we muddle through. And for me, as I wanted to approach being a writer, I felt like the most important thing I could do was use the power of story to do exactly that. And I think that since the beginning of time, since the beginning of language, story has been something that has brought humans together and allowed them to evolve their humanity and to express it to each other. And I think that story is one of the ways that we overcome boundaries of ethnicity and race and judgments that we hold against other people that that we that we don't know it helps us to empathize with human experiences that we don't understand i think literature is so incredibly powerful in that respect and i took it very seriously when i wanted to write a novel and i remember as i was i was such an avid reader and i read books of all types and i was i made such a big deal about writing and reading in every genre but i was wanted to write something important and i just i said to myself okay if you're going to do anything that you could ever consider important you're going to have to grow as a writer. And I remember saying, no, I don't want to. I want it to just happen. I want it to happen right now. And then I laughed at myself as I'm pretty good at doing and said, okay, you have to grow. And this book, my novel, The Music We Make, is really a testament to my commitment to growth. And I think that the growth as creative people is paramount. It is the goal. It is the important thing. And I also want to say that growth is only scary when we are uh, when we're fighting it or when we're resisting it, but that when we actually embrace it, that it is the most enjoyable thing that we do as human beings. Yes, I agree. And you talked about writing about the human experience and connecting with each other in a more empathetic way on that experience. Tell us about the title, The Music We Make. Is the music the experience? Well, the music we make is really a metaphor for the connections that we make and for the relationships that we make. I think especially in the musical world of this book, it was about that collaborative experience in making the music. It is so important to reflect on 
how much our lives are enhanced by the people that we have relationships with. And in this novel, music is really a metaphor for relationships. Give us a brief synopsis of the book, an overview of uh, not just the story, but I think there's an undertow of a message for humanity as well. Absolutely. The story is about a young man who loses his mother in an accident that he survives at the beginning of the book. And he is sucked into an opiate addiction, which occurs not only from his emotional loss, but also the physical injuries that he sustains in the accident. And for me as a writer who experienced a difficult car accident and fell into the opiate addiction that I think is common in today's society where opiates are pushed so heavily by the medical society for pain, as pain killers for surgical situations, I wanted people to be able to empathize with that situation. But from in the story, as the young man is reaching rock bottom with his opiate addiction and his grief, he receives inspiration from his mother from heaven to write a song that will guide him through that pain and that grief. And as he struggles to write it, he meets a very seductive woman who is a music producer who sucks him into this very tumultuous love affair and Hollywood pop music recording contract that makes it much more challenging for him to write the one song that will help him make peace with his mother's death. And so for me, it was very important to write a story that was very entertaining, that the pages would turn themselves because you were so pulled into the story by your own joy in reading it, but that you felt something. One of my one of my readers said, he wrote this beautiful review that said, it's like drinking whiskey neat, a really beautiful whiskey neat. It's like it goes down so smooth, but you definitely feel it. You can definitely feel the bite. And as a creative person, as a writer, I always wanted, as I said before, to write something important and for there to be a message. But that message has to be the backseat to the story. It has to be so nicely wrapped up inside that enjoyable story that you don't even feel it until later. And you mentioned the song being central to the story. I definitely want to come back to that. But perhaps first I could ask you to read a short excerpt from the book for us to get okay, a wonderful. flavor that's, of that style. That's exciting. So this part of the story is the part of the story where Santiago receives the inspiration for the song that is going to propel him throughout the entire book. So he is, as I was saying, spiraling down deep into his, his opiate addiction. And I say, time feels strange to me. Sometimes it stretches into endless waking hours, and sometimes it's swallowed up by whole days of sleep. Awake, I detect my father outside my bedroom door and hold my breath. Dad moves on down the hall. My face burns. Next day, I pop like a coiled spring when Lucy hits me with a book. I glance at the title and read the word grieving in a cursive font. I look away. Lucy sets it on the TV tray beside my recliner and takes my empty bowl. She holds the book again. If you're not going to read it, fine. If you don't want to get up, fine. But you can't cry all the time. You're keeping me up nights, I cry. I wake up at night to the sound and then I start to cry. She wipes her face with the back of her hand. I'm making you a sandwich. I won't eat it. The pills have zeroed out my desire for food. My appetite only returns when I let the time between doses stretch a little. Her head shakes softly. I'll get you a glass of water. I gulp down the water with some extra Norco and two Ambien. I set the half-empty glass on the nightstand and wait for the sleeping pills to weave their magic. 
but a trippy thing's happening lately. The opiate buzz wires me up, so I'm still awake in the ambient's hypnotic hold. Thirsty, I guzzle what remains in a large green glass. At the bottom, I find a pond Lucy and I used to swim in at our grandparents' house. I imagine us as kids emerged in green water, with sunshine streaming through in golden drafts. But despair floods the vision and leaves me at the bottom of the gray water alone. I hold my breath until there's a burning in my chest that feels like it could kill me. Do you want to die? Yes, but not like this. I need a real plan. Help me, Mom. That's when tiny bubbles tickle my feet on their way to the surface of my illusion. What is that? Laughter? No. Music? Yes. Faint, original music. The melody of a song bursts to life. I suck down a huge breath and clutch four musical notes as I emerge from the depths. My arms are plastered with goosebumps. My thoughts spin out of control. The music is my salve in the days that follow. I transpose the sound I heard so many times, I lose track of the original. Were the notes filled with love? Or was the tone a somber demonstration of my pain? My eyelids weigh more than these questions. All I know is this. The notes didn't come from me. Mom sent them. She sent them to keep me alive. Very powerful. Thank you. That was Michelle DeBella sharing an excerpt of her book, The Music We Make. Michelle, I'm struck by not only the sort of action, the who, what, wins, and where's, but the emotion behind those actions. And so a writer, I could appreciate that you might have started with just Here's a litany of the things that are happening. <laughs> but what sort of craftsmanship? And you talked about your growth as an author trying to write something meaningful. But what in your approach to the writing process, you're drafting it, you're outlining it, but then you're really refining and crafting and editing. What steps did you feel like you had to go to capture the emotion behind the scenes, not just the action of the scenes? I think that the most important thing for me was to balance between the writing session, whether it be a free-flowing session or an intensely focused session or a very difficult session, with with long walks. That, for me, was one of the most crucial elements, is that after I would spend time writing, and that part is so important to actually get your butt in the chair, That, yes. but to then allow my imagination to roam. And so a very intricate part of my process was that after any writing session, I would take either a long walk in the park or on the hills or just anywhere that I could let go of my thoughts, stop thinking about what should happen or what happened or what I wrote, and just let my imagination roam. And what would happen is I would end up, one, having to work on letting go, because that's not as easy as the phrase would like to say. But when I would get to that quiet place, I would uh, the scenes would start to play out like a movie in my mind until I wasn't playing them, but they were playing of their own accord. And that letting go is, I think, the muse that we all talk about, where you're getting to a place where your imagination and your creativity are working on their own or subconsciously. And suddenly the dialogue which I had written, which maybe was a little on the nose or was just a little a little jilted would suddenly come to me as oh he wouldn't have said that 
he would have said this. And maybe what he would have said was completely the opposite. And maybe then it took an entire another conversation before it came back around to the original idea that I thought I was trying to express. But all of that happened when I would allow myself to just surrender to something bigger than the story I was trying to write and allow that to come through, allow my imagination to bring it to me. It's interesting, the idea of surrender and letting the story play out. I think many of us writers say, no, sit down, get writing, force it out, make, right. make it happen. And there are times where that you have to do that. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to wait for something to come to me. And I'll say, no, I can't write a scene while I'm walking. I can only <laughs> write a scene with, I have a pen in my hand or a, a keyboard under my fingertips. And I think that's essential to, to get to that place where you have a good routine, where you have your magic hour, where you seize that magic hour. What what time are you most creative at, Mark? What oh, I'm definitely day? a morning person, but I'm like you. I'm like, maybe I need to walk first. No, maybe <laughs> I need to write first. You do later. need to write first. I think no. you do need to write first, but most I, importantly- I think about that, that line of writer writes. You know. And I have to, for me, I'm like you, I'm a morning person. Morning is my, I'm morning glory. But in that means when I wake up and I'm conscious, I jump up and I get to my writing desk and I go through that process because that's when it's most enjoyable. And so in addressing the audience that is trying to become more creative, I say, find your magic hour whenever that is. Maybe it's in the morning like me and Mark. Maybe it's at night when you want to plop down and watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. And instead you say, you know what? Today I'm going to overcome resistance. Because resistance is this force that we all have that prevents us from our greatness, that prevents us from achieving anything. And when we can just get one step ahead of resistance by getting to that spot where we write, by writing instead of staying in bed, by writing instead of watching that Netflix special. That's when we can start to make things happen. But once we've started that process and we've done the work, then we can trust that our connection to the project, our connection to our muse that governs the project has even more waiting for us. Yes. Well, I'd like to come back to the idea of the song as part of the story. After all, it is titled The Music We Make. And Indeed. there's actually music being made as part of the story. Indeed. And in like, fact, tell us the, about that. the really exciting thing about that is that this book, The Music We Make, is based on a song called Bird of Paradise, which you can download on Spotify. You can download on Apple Music. It's a gorgeous piece of music that my husband began writing when he lost his mother suddenly. And when I met him, which was many years ago, we've been together for 20 years, he was writing this gorgeous piece of music, but he didn't make any progress on it. He it had a chorus and it had a couple of verses, but it, he never went anywhere with it, but he played it constantly. And as I was thinking about writing a novel, and I had recovered, was recovering from this accident I mentioned earlier, I began to imagine the story of a young man who survives an accident that his mother dies in and receives this inspiration for this song, the same song that my husband was writing, but couldn't finish, so that I could explore what kind of creative blocks we have as creative people and help him. My initial goal was to help him finish writing his song. And the incredible thing, the thing that I'm most excited about is that when I was writing the final draft. My husband completed the song alongside my finishing the book. And that was just such a glorious thing because here was this song that was on his mind, on his heart, but being blocked for so many years. And we were able to make it come out together. And how is that parallel process 
play out. As you see, both the song and your story and your novel, it's a creative pinnacle that both... Well, it's a fun story because at that particular moment in time, and this is another part I want to mention about the creative process, um, it was right when COVID hit and we were home. My husband and I have always worked from home, but now it was different because there wasn't really any work for us to do. And I said to him, I was at the part of the book where I'd written the book many times, but I now was saying, this is it. This is the final draft. And when I was coming to the part where the characters write the song together, I wanted it to be authentic because here it was this real song. And so I said to my husband, okay, we're going to write the song today. Now imagine now decades have gone by and the song has not been made any right. but right. I wake up optimistic and today's cheerful the day. in my morning glory. <laughs> and I said, today's the day we write the song. And he says, no, when he tells me what a lot of us tell ourselves, I'm a businessman. I have important things to do. I can't just put on my creative artist hat. I have too much to do. And one day I'll write it. And I think one day is a very dangerous phrase because what does it really mean? It really means never. But I said, no, today is the day. And so he was going along with it. I made him his favorite breakfast and tea. And I got him into the piano room and he's playing and he starts and I start telling him what the lyrics should be based on this book that I've been writing all these years, which clearly need to line up with my character's journey so that they can go together. And he looked at me and he said, Michelle, this isn't your song. This is my song. And the lyrics are going to come from me. And I was so upset. I thought, how could he do this? Doesn't he know that the song kind of belongs to me now? And so I had to get over it. It took a few weeks because that particular session didn't come together. The song was not written that day, as you can imagine. <laughs> but a few weeks went by of me. He doesn't understand. I'm going to write my own song. And I woke up another morning and said, honey, we're going to write the song today. And, and I said to him what I say to myself you need to give yourself permission to be an artist because you are an artist and you are a creative person and there's nothing else going on today. Today is the day we're going to write the song. And he sat down at the piano again and I took up a much further back seat where I was just trying to take notes and just trying to not be there, but I couldn't miss it either. And he wrote the song in the next 30 minutes. And he said it was like a portal opened up to my mother and I received the words and the words came through me and it was just this incredible experience. I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. And as it was happening, I was saying to myself, how is this going to work for my story? How is this going to work for my story? And I thought, and I just started writing down little notes of, in the story. Santiago is with his sister Lucy, and the relationship between them as brother and sister is so beautiful. It's one of my favorite in the book. And Lucy starts explaining to him why that lyric is perfect. And here's this song, which a lot of people will interpret as a love song, but is really a ballad that my husband wrote for his mother. And he says, it's a love song for mom. Is that okay? I don't want it to be romantic. And she says, mom is the first person, the first woman you ever loved. And so as I was writing all of these reasons that made the song that he wrote, which was truly his work for my story, um, I put it in and I sent it off to my editor. And he wasn't the type that was really praiseworthy. He would mostly point out things that he would be critical about to for me to grow. And as he would 
as he had read through this portion where the song was written, he kept saying, this is beautiful. This is excellent. This is perfect. And I thought, oh my God, it really was. It was just this incredible moment. And it really started with me saying, you need to give yourself permission to be an artist. And the contradiction between today's the day, meaning it's a do list item that you got to get done versus <laughs> today's the day to give yourself permission, to give yourself that space to let right. the creativity happen. What a different point of view when you really yes. think about it. I wanted to underscore that for the creative listeners who say it's not about procrastination. It's not about giving yourself a deadline all the time, but rather the permission. I, I like yes. that distinction. Yes. Love that. And I wanted to think about this other question about the song that I was thinking about. And now it's I need to formulate it a little better. But how... The song both was incorporated into the story because you said, I'm sitting there making notes about how it's happening. I mean, there is a kind of a life reflects life uh, you know, yes. kind of piece of that, isn't there? Absolutely, very much. And one of the things that I've been so excited about to read in reviews, and I hope you and everyone that's listening will read some of the reviews on Amazon and Goodreads. I'm so proud of them. But they talk about how once they've heard the song, they feel like they can hear it throughout the entire book. And one of the things I imagined and always imagined as I was writing is that in the movie version of the music we make, that song will be broken down and will flow through it in the score, like in, in as time goes goes by in in that wonderful movie that is the <laughs> leaving me in Casablanca. Yes. That beautiful song is present throughout the entire movie in the score. And you feel that a lot of people have talked about in the reviews how musical the prose is and how they can feel the music throughout the entire story. And so it's a really wonderful thing that you can have the song to go along with it. And also one of the things that's very special is on the audible version it's just the piano portion mm. that that Santiago plays that is is a bonus in the in audible and i think that's really wonderful because for for the decade that i spent writing the story and giving it the nuance and building all of the dimension that came from those long walks i was talking about all i had was the piano version yes and now we have this wonderful version that my husband heard the whole time he said the whole time i was was with the song. I heard the violins. I heard the guitar. I heard the drums. I never heard those things. And so it's wonderful to have just the piano music. Yeah. And the creator often does hear all that, just as you probably saw the whole book and you were ready to, yes, you indeed. to do let I always, it come through your fingers, right? I yeah. always saw it as this really big, beautiful thing. But you know, when you go to draw something and you think, oh, I'm going to draw this beautiful thing. And it turns out like a stick figure yes. thing that the kindergartner would draw. That was what the first few drafts of this book were like. And and I had to keep moving towards the growth that would allow it to be this beautiful picture like I originally intended. Well, Michelle, it's, it is a singular act that an author has to write the book, but it's never alone that you actually get the book up and out. And one of the themes across this podcast is often the connections and collaborations and all the support crew that it takes to launch the book. Talk a little bit about those that helped you. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm so excited you asked this because 
this book would never exist, as we often hear in the (laughs) in the acknowledgments, without the women in my life that read countless versions and countless drafts. My sister, my mother, my dearest friend Jessica and Rebecca, who just kept reading it and kept cheering me on, and then. Always, I was wanting to put my work through the fire. And putting your work through the fire burns, it hurts. And so I would work with editors who who would be very critical of my work. And I always gave myself, at least I always said 48 hours to to process the pain (laughs) and the desire to give up and the desire to say they're wrong and I'm right. And this is a matter of artistic preference and to take that criticism and use it for growth. And so I kept hiring editors and I kept hiring better and better editors. And as my work got better, I was able to attract better editors. And for me, as an author that's committed to growth, I always said I must take instruction from these people and let's let myself and my emotions get out of the way and use their guidance as critically as possible. And, and I feel like that has been one of my, my greatest traits is that I've been able to do that. And that, and that I was so willing to learn from the editors that I worked with. Yes. And again, it's difficult because, and you do talk about the pain, of course. Often people say, don't let your detractors stop you. Don't let the criticism beat you down. But you're saying, take it, integrate it, use it for growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, but that's why I always say to myself too, I give myself that time period where I can rage and say that they're wrong and say that my book will not never, it'll never see the light of day if that's what it needs to do first. And even in the final moments when I was just weeks away from publishing the book, I was working with someone who said, Michelle, the first five pages have to be better than this. Mm. And I remember going into this, just this intense anger, right? I've written that part 75 times. I'm not doing it again. It's a matter of artistic preference. And then my mom saying to me, I don't know. I, it, maybe she's right. (laughs) And me saying, and then having to overcome that resistance again and sit down and focus and have one of those painful writing experiences that then turned into a flowing, beautiful writing session. Once I got over that resistance And I'm so proud of the first five pages. And I am so grateful that Linda insisted (laughs) that I rewrite them. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. We're talking with Michelle DeBellis about her novel, The Music We Make. Michelle, creative people often have lots of projects going, lots of plates spinning. So we've been talking specifically about the book. But what else is going on in your world? What else is on your desk? I have a beautiful new book that I've been working on. I'm into my second draft and I'm using a new process that an editor that I'm working with has taught me, which I'm thrilled about, where I'm just really intensely writing the outline scene by scene. And it's very powerful. And the book, I'm playing with a new title, but I'm thinking of calling it Shadow of Ambition. I originally was calling it almost perfect. And it's about a young woman's journey through her own ambition and understanding the importance of living out your passion, but not surrendering to its shadow side. And in this case, it's a ballerina. And so there are a lot of issues with body image and with with finding a harmonic and healthy balance with your body. These are key subjects we need to be addressing these days, but I'm glad you're taking it on in a literature sort of way. 
Indeed. I am too. I'm very excited about this next book. We can't wait to hear more about it. Michelle, what a terrific conversation. You've given us a lot of literal information about creative process, but also a lot of inspiration about how to let the process work for and with you. So we can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. I'm really, as I said, honored. And listeners, find more about Michelle and the book and all these other creative things she's working on at mrdbooks.com. And Michelle, it's great to see the book in a lot of different formats. I noticed uh, not only a print book, but ebook, and you mentioned the Audible. This is all part of the creative process, too, to get the story out in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. I had so much fun recording the Audible. I performed the narration for it, and that was the best part of the project for me. Fantastic. Great to hear. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and got a lot of practical, but also inspirational tips from Michelle Renee DeBellis. And join us again next time. We're going to continue our around-the-world travels. We've stamped our creative passport in Southern California today. But as we've been to Norway, South Africa, Portugal in the last few episodes, so we're going to continue our around-the-world journeys talking to creative practitioners about how they get inspired and how they organize their ideas, and most of all, how they gain the confidence and the connections to launch their creative work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll be unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. If you like this podcast, here's another show that you'll like from BSB Media. The Patients Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. It features interviews with healthcare leaders, patient advocates, medical providers, and researchers. Presented by 83Bar. Look for The Patient Speak on your favorite podcast app.